Corinthians chapter 13, we have been looking at what it means to be loved by God. You know, we, we, we say God loves you, but what does that mean? We say to people that God loves them. What does that mean? You know, different people have different concepts of love. Uh, and um, I think it's really important that we get a good understanding of what that is, especially if that's what we're receiving. Um, and, you know, just like the Bible talks, I think it's in Romans, it says if nobody preaches this, how are they going to ever know? You know, and that applies to everything in God's Word. And that's the reason why Ephesians talks about the fivefold ministry gift that is there to do this, you know, to bring this information to you and do it in an anointed way, not just information, but revelation as well. Amen. And I pray that you are receiving revelation. Revelation, as opposed to information, is something that is true for you. Information is, yes, that's true for everybody, but revelation is, that's mine. <laughs> Amen. It's personal, and it's something that has power on the inside. Hallelujah. And so that's really what I want for you. And uh, one of the things that we began to look at with regard to God loving us was 1 Corinthians chapter 13, because this chapter, or this, there's a section there that actually talks about divine love. It actually talks about God's love. And we, you know, we never really equate it to that is who God is. We're seeing a part of how he loves and what that kind of love is, but let's just take it back to the source. It comes from God, who is love. And I want, I'm still, I still haven't hit on God is love yet, <laughs> okay? Uh, I'm still talking about love, but, you know, uh, once we finish this, I really want to get on to the Apostle John and when he wrote that God is love. And I really want to talk to you about that in more detail, but I, none of that's going to make any sense. You're not going to receive everything that you need to receive unless you have this revelation first. And so that's the reason why I'm going through this and the reason why I'm taking so much time with it. So again, let me just read all of this and then we'll jump to where I want to get to today. Remember again in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4, again, this is talking about God, that God is patient, God is kind, God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. God does not demand his own way. He's not irritable and keeps no record of when he has been wronged. He is never glad about injustice, uh, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. I'm just reading through this, okay? Uh, and verse 7 says, Love, which is God, never fails. Never gives up, never loses faith. Always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. And then it says, love never fails, all right? Okay, so, but I want you to see something here. That this is the enduring nature of God. This is the loving nature of God. And, you know, we looked at God's forgiveness and how God is forgiving. And we also looked at God's kindness, that he not only feels kindly toward you, he wants to do something for you. Amen? Uh, today I want to go and look at something else that is very powerful. I want to kind of race through the rest of these. <laughs> you know, that was my plan. Then there was God's plan. Uh, but, uh, you know, I got to this next section and something really jumped out at me. Something that I thought was so important. Um, as much as we need to know that God is long-suffering, as much as we need to know that God is forgiving, as much as we need to know that God is kind, we need to know something else about God. 
something that is very difficult for people to receive because of what's being preached, and that's the humility of God. Because we have, we have got the judgment of God preached you know, uh, to us so much that we see Him always judging us and always looking for something wrong in us. And I really want to deal with that today because I feel if we don't get past that, then nothing else is going to make any sense. Nothing else is going to sit with you. Because in the back of your mind, you're always going to be thinking, yeah, but. So I want to deal with the yeah, but today. Okay? <laughs> All right. So I want to go to 1 Corinthians 13. And I want to look at that verse again. And I want you to notice it says, God is patient and kind. God is not jealous or boastful or proud. Now, these are some interesting qualities. You know, there's things that love is or God is, and then there are things that God isn't. And I want you to notice that God isn't these things. Okay? And I could say this, God is not jealous or boastful or proud. Now, we see an excellent example of this in Philippians chapter 2. So let's go there. Philippians chapter 2, I want to read from verses 6 through 8 in the King James Version, I believe. Hope I put that right. Let's see. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. Let's begin in verse 6. Now, I need you to understand and know that Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh. Can we get an amen on that? Okay. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay. Um, and in Isaiah, I believe, it talks about wonderful counselor, almighty God, talking about Jesus. So we need, we, we need to know that Jesus Christ is God in this earth and a representation of God to where we can see him. That's why he said, if, you know, Philip says, show us the Father. And he says, look at me. That's who the Father is. Amen? So what Jesus did and the way he was is a representation, a reflection uh, literally a mirror image of the Father. And so let's read these verses with that in mind. He says, who, this is talking about Jesus, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, verse 7, but made himself of, made himself, made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I want you to notice that he humbled himself. He didn't need to do this, but he did this. Whether it was, you know, born in a, a manger in, you know, okay, in, in, a, in a stable or whatever it was. There's different stories about that, but it wasn't, it wasn't in a palace, Amen? And uh, I really like what Sarah did with the, uh, the creative arts little skit, you know, when the wise men go looking for the king in the palace, because that's where you find the king. In the palace, but not this king. Amen? And that was the first, you know, th that's something that we need to acknowledge. That he was willing to come down in the form of this helpless little baby. You know, it's the same kind of baby you have to hold their head up. Jesus didn't come and go, oh, look, I got neck muscles. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> okay? <laughs> I mean, he had to be looked after. 
all the stuff that you normally do that he gave he gave his divinity to come down and be that way i, I really need to see how much he humbled himself not just to the for, you know to die on a cross but to just be born in that way <laughs> so here we see how god not being jealous or boastful, boastful or proud willingly humbled himself and died on the cross for your sin and mine humility humility is an attitude the greek word used here for humbled has the idea of lying low with john MacArthur saying that jesus lowered himself not only relative to god but also to other men now i really need to get that as well you know this is something incredible that jesus did in the form remember again this is god in the form of man Amen. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Okay. So we really need to see this. This is God. And if we understand, this, this is why Jesus is so uh, precious and special. Because he really shows us, he, he takes that image of God that people have had for so long and changes it. Finally. <laughs> okay. And says, this is me. This is how God looks. This is how God speaks. This is how God reacts to things. When God sees a person in pain, he doesn't say, oh, you poor thing. He heals them all. He just gets to it straight away. Amen. He had compassion. <clears throat> all right. Let me keep going here. We see a clear picture of this in John chapter 13. I'm not going to go there today. But just take note of the chapter. It's John chapter 13 when he knelt down and washed the disciples' feet. <coughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me. Paul Rees writes, I really love this. Look at him, dressed like a slave, with towel and basin for his menial equipment. He's bathing, bathing the feet of some of his friends who but for their quarrelsomeness should have been washing his feet. I really like that. To conclude with this section, MacArthur writes, I've got more to say, but he says the most dramatic and poignant time of Jesus' self-abasement was during his arrest, trial, and crucifixion. He was mocked, falsely accused, spat upon, beaten with fists, scourged, and had part of his beard painfully plucked out. Yet he was never defensive, never bitter, never demanding, never accusing. He refused to assert his rights as God or even as a human being. Now, I need to pause here for a second. You know, we really need to get a hold of this. This is a totally different picture of what, uh, you know, the way religion paints God. Would you please allow this to paint a different picture? Remember again, you know, if you have the wrong picture, you're not going to receive from God what you need. If you have this picture of God is just so upset all the time, he's always, you know, testing you and trying you and doing things against you, making your life miserable as he can. Why bother? You know, you can do that without him. <laughs> no, seriously. You know, I just thought, I don't, you know, somebody was talking about this in this way at one point in time, 
And, you know, they said, come to God. And then they started talking about all the tests and trials. I said, no, thank you. I got enough problems in my life to have him added to it. No, seriously? Who needs more problems? Do you? I don't. <laughs> it's like, you take that religion and go away. I don't want that. And for the longest time, I didn't want anything to do with God because that's how I thought it was. And one day I found out the truth. One day I experienced the truth. I experienced God's love. And I thought, this is not the same thing everybody's talking about. And you know, God just turned around to me and said, you know, I've been lied about. They're still lying about me now. And they think they're doing me a favor. And that's what's sad. People think they're doing God this wonderful favor by saying that God is almighty, judgmental, and just can squish you like a bug whenever he wants. Do you want to get saved? <laughs> you want from him? <laughs> Looks like you're the biggest problem. <laughs> you know, seriously. It is something that we really need to get a hold of. And so I want to change that picture. And that's the reason why, you know, I, as much as I wanted to race through this one, I thought you really need to get a hold of this. You really need to get a hold of the humility of God. Remember again that we can't do anything without it being first poured into and received by us. For us to be humble around others, we need to see our Lord humble in his humility towards us. Because we look at that and say, well, if God can be this humble and have this humble attitude towards us, then how much more must we be humble towards those around us? If he put up with so much and said nothing, you know, the world and movies and stuff is all about that quip, that, you know, that quick comeback. Somebody say something and you just say something else and cut him off at the knees. Bless God. You know, teach you to say anything bad about me. You know, you want to judge, judge me? Well, judge yourself first. I got the dirt on you, man. I can take you down any minute I want. You know, Jesus had that. This is God who knew everything about everybody. Don't you think he could have just turned around to all of his accusers one by one? He kind of did this a little bit with the woman when they're about to throw stones and he starts writing things on the ground? I still wonder what that was. Was that some law of God or was that some prophecy? Was that something going, you know, something about, you know, wrote a girl's name down and the one guy goes, he knows about that, I'm out of here. You know, okay. Who knows? Whatever he wrote down, it freaked them all out. <clears throat> they all left. You know, it's very hard to turn an angry mob. Are you all with me? There's just so much, you know, I mean, something has to be said or written that really hits at the heart of the problem. And, you know, people, are <laughs> you're going to hear more about this until I finish this course. But, you know, I'm, I'm going through this church history course at the moment, one of the courses I need to do. And, oh, my Lord, you know, one of the things that I realize is when people get something stuck in their brain, it's so hard to pull it out. They can't see past their uh, reality, what they believe is true. And the people that they burnt at the stake and, you know, as called heretics, were people that said, but the Bible says we are justified by faith. 
And they say, no, no, it has to be works as well. Otherwise, nobody will do anything for the church. And burn people, burn people for that. Because they just wouldn't budge from their position. See, they wanted to force work out of people. Whereas God says, hey, you let me love you. And after a while, you'll be asking me, what can I do for you? That's what I want. Amen? God wants the heart that gives freely. The cheerful giver. I thought that was just money. No, it's everything. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway, getting, getting back to this. I, I really need you to see something here. I really need you to receive something here. That God is humble. That his attitude towards you isn't harsh and horrible. And you really need to... The, why, why, why is this so important? Because the enemy comes at you sounding like God. And I need you to be able to recognize that voice. Just as much as you know now enough to know if something bad comes along, to rebuke the thing, not to stand there and say, well, God's trying to test me and try me. Okay? At least you know that. And, and you know, if you're doing something wrong, please repent. This is when you're doing the right thing and, you know, you're Jesus in the storm, not Jonah in the storm. You know, Jonah in the storm, we want to throw you overboard. <laughs> you need to repent. But and that's how you become Jesus in the storm. You can go from Jonah to being Jesus by just repenting. First John 1, 9. Because he is faithful and just to forgive, us, forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, which makes you Jesus now. Then you can rebuke the thing and shut the thing down. Amen? So, you know, again, we... <laughs> Anyway, we need to understand something here, and you really need to get this, that God isn't the one that is, as much as you know that, you know, bad things are not coming from God, you also need to understand bad thoughts are not coming from God. He's not standing there accusing you. Are you with me? Like I said, if you sin, then repent. That's different. But if you're just there, and you're just, you know, you've got this in your head, that, oh, I don't know what it is. As soon as you say you don't know what it is, it ain't God. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you know, and you're hiding it, you know, trying to sweep it under the carpet, trying to look innocent, <laughs> well, it's not good for your health. That's why it says, if you acknowledge, not hide, not cover up, but if you acknowledge your sin, then he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Okay, all right. Let's <laughs> this is who we receive love from. It is unconditional love. And it is freely given. But it's up to you to receive it. And it goes back again to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. I just want to read two verses, verses 28 and 29. When he said again, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he says, take my shared yoke upon you and learn from me for, listen, he says, I am gentle and humble in heart. Now, this is from the New American, New American Standard Bible, excuse me. He says, I'm humble in heart. I really need you to see that, that you are not going to someone that is prideful, that is going, what, you again? How many times is this? You know, he's got perfect memory. You might go, I think it's about 12 times. No, it's 15. Remember this time and this time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. He will never do that. 
In fact, it's the exact opposite. You're trying to remind him of things, but say, didn't you ask for forgiveness? I don't remember. Your slate is clean. Don't bring it up because it's not there. Don't help the devil. (laughs) And so uh, this is what it means again when the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 and 5 again that God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. God does not demand his own way. You know, in fact, in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, I think this is incredible as well. I've got two more scriptures to give you that I pray will really bless you. In Matthew 20 and verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. He came to serve and to give. He comes to you to serve and to give. And he wants you to get to the place where after you've received that, that you will be there for other people to serve and to give. But you'll never do that if you haven't first received it. Please get this. That's the reason why I said your primary purpose right now is to receive love. There is more to this, (laughs) but you have to do this first. You can't build a house without a foundation. We're going to build a house, but you need this foundation. Otherwise, the thing will not stand. Do you hear me? This is the complete opposite to all other religious leaders who expect their followers to wash their feet and also expect their followers to give up their life for them. (laughs) That's usually what it is. You know, with all the religions, you know, if you really love so-and-so, you will die and go out there and die. And, you know, and, and, and what do they get from that God? Nothing. Just we'll see if you get to heaven or not. We'll see if you've done enough to make it in. And it's all lies because you can't do anything to get there. It has to be God who does it for you and then gifts it to you. That's why we receive it by faith. That's why everything else doesn't get you to heaven. Because it takes perfection to get in. Anyway. The ultimate expression of God's love in this way, in, in Him being humble, is seen in what Jesus prays for the very people who had just crucified him and says, this is in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Listen to me. This is the love that God wants to love us with. We just need to allow him to do that. We get to the place where we said, we have done so much, so wrong, you know, uh, done uh, so, (laughs) let me just see if I can get this right. We've done so much wrong for so long that we don't, we, we don't think that we should be forgiven. And you know what, and the devil just, that's the devil sitting on your shoulder saying that. Because he can't be forgiven, he doesn't want you to be forgiven. And here Jesus, on the cross, to the people that crucified him, doesn't say, God, sick him. Kill them all. I mean, I'll die on the cross, but I want them to die too. 
I'm not suffering alone. <laughs> you know, come on now, okay? He, while he's suffering, he's saying, you forgive them. Listen to me. There is so, so much of the time we don't know what we're doing. There are times we do, but there are times, you know, when you just think, how could I have done that? And you need to see the Lord saying, forgive him or forgive her, Lord. God, they really didn't know what they were doing. That's the reason 1 John 1, 9 exists. That's another reason why 1 John 1, 9 exists. For all the sins that you do on purpose and all the ones you didn't mess up on accident. If we just acknowledge and say, I'm so sorry, God, we're there. He is faithful and just to do all the rest. Amen? Okay. <clears throat> Are you receiving something from I really wish I had more time. But I really need you to see something here. That the God who loves you, when we say God loves you, this is what we're talking about. That God is willing to put up with all kinds of things you do. And not hold it against you. Amen? That's what we're inviting people into. And they need to get this revelation if they are to step into this fully and properly and receive it to a degree where it fills them up and allows them now to be a vessel that God can work through to be a blessing to other people. How many times have we heard, you can't bless somebody unless you've been blessed first. You can't give what you don't have. You need to have first to give. Amen? You know, I was tickled. One of the things I was watching, <clears throat> you know, all these people that are anti-prosperity and all this sort of stuff. Even they'll admit this. I'm sitting, I'm watching this person that is just, you know, <clears throat> and he says, you know, you've got to have it to give. I said, that's right. That's all we're trying to tell people. <laughs> Duh. You don't get that? Well, we're against the prosperity message. What do you think that is? The, the poverty message? You have to... See, it's the thought, it's the idea, it's what they have in their head. With regard to that, it's not the prosperity message. Can I just clear this up? It's not the prosperity message that they have issue with. It's the covetousness message they have issue with. And they can't tell the difference. They can't tell the difference between, you know, money is the root of all evil or the love of money is the root of all evil. They're two totally different things. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of it is. I still remember to this day, you know, one of the, <laughs> a particular denomination that I was, <laughs> almost said it, uh, that I was going to. And, you know, the assistant minister was taking a little Bible study or whatever, and he, and he reads this verse, and he restates it wrongly, and he says, so why is money the root of all evil? And I said, uh, this is me, baby, you know, Christian with nappies hanging around my, you know, my ankles. I said, uh, the verse says, the love of money is the root of all evil. He goes, yeah, 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 whatever. See, to him, no different. To him, you know, it's like it looks at the money and says to the person, uh, hand me over the filthy lucre. Because <laughs> that's how they see it. Are you all with me? See, we, we really need to get a hold of this. And, you know, this is something that I keep coming back to. We have to have it to give. We have to be loved to love. 
We need to be shown how to be humble and how God is humble toward us for us to be humble toward others. We need to see that. We need to understand what that is. We need to understand that, you know, when you have said the vilest things against God. You know, when I first got saved, I said some very bad things to God. I was very naughty. I had issues. I know you're shocked, but I did. And I would tell God off in no uncertain terms with all kinds of language. (gasps) I know, and he called me. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I just want to be honest with you. I mean, I just went to town. Lots of colorful metaphors. And that's the reason why I learned later on, you know what? The less you say, the less you have to repent over. So shut up. That was my advice to myself. You want to say it? Shut up. Less do you have to say, sorry God, sorry God, sorry God. You know, okay? Less Hail Marys and Mother of Gods and whatever. Okay? <laughs> All right. So, sorry, where, where am I time-wise? I know we are holding cards up, but... Oh, with okay. Uh, maybe I'll leave the rest for next week. Um, I want to go on and talk about other aspects of, of God's nature. And I want to go through the last part of the verses in First Corinthians 13. But I don't want to rush through it because it is so important that you get this, that you receive it. If, if there's nothing else today, I want you to really understand the humility of God toward you. He didn't just stand there, you know, with, with all of these, you know, religious and, and government officials doing all these horrible things to him prior to his crucifixion. And he was humble and he didn't open his mouth and all that. And then suddenly when it comes to you, he can't wait to just tell you off. <laughs> okay? Please, you need to see that and understand that is who stands in front of you. That's who you call Lord. That's why you call him Lord. Nobody else deserves that. Only him. Because he endured all of that for you. Amen? Then I will guarantee you, if you receive this love, you will begin to walk in this love. And then you will become God's hand and hands and God's feet in this earth. In a very practical way. Amen. Next time we come back, we'll look at the rest of First Corinthians 13. And then we'll go on to one of two things. I wanted to look at the prodigal son, but I'm wondering whether I want to hang on to that for a little bit later. Until we get through First um, John and look at God is love. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. and. Lord, more than anything else, we thank you, Jesus, for showing us the true nature of God. For showing us God in a way that we have never seen him. A God who is loving, kind, forgiving, long-suffering, and humble. And we just thank you, Father. No matter what issues we've had with you, We ask you to forgive us. Because through all of our rantings and ravings and accusations against you, you did what you did when you were on trial. You just kept quiet. 
you forgave. You said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're saying. But they will come to their senses. Because you hope all things. You believe all things. Hallelujah. And we thank you for that. And we pray that in time that we'll be that to other people. In Jesus' name. Amen.